Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. So this morning, we continue in our time of Advent. Y'all remember what that means? We talked a little bit about that last week. It is that season between now and Christmas in which we get ready. We get ready for Christmas Day, the coming of Jesus, and we prepare our hearts, and we spend a lot of time thinking about that story and how the story of the birth of Christ weaves into our everyday story. And so our scripture reading this morning actually comes from Isaiah, and it's in the 35th chapter. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them. And if you don't, it will also be on the screen. So it's Isaiah 35. Hear these words. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong and do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is the word of God for the people of God, and the people said, thanks be to God. So since I was very young, I have always loved Charlie Brown and the whole Peanut gang. And in fact, I married a man who also really likes the Peanuts. And so in our house, for years, we have given one another different characters from the Peanuts gang. And so we actually have right now these little figurines that when you link them together, they're from Hallmark. Some of you may have seen them a few years ago. They dance while different songs play. And we even went so far as to buy the little spotlights. So they do this. What's interesting about these figures, if you separate them, they all play different songs. So my four-year-old finds it very funny to separate them and make them all play different songs at the same time. And it is like terribly obnoxious, but uh, there they are all the same. 
So I thought it was that time to introduce my little one to the Charlie Brown Christmas special because is it even Christmas if you don't watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special at least like nine times? And so I introduced it to him and I heard something in the movie that it's been a while since I really paid any attention to. And it's the part in the movie where Charlie Brown says this. He says, I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. And he goes on to say, I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. Now that may sound initially like some unusual words for the holidays. I think when I was younger, I thought that was because Charlie Brown just didn't get the presents that he wanted or he didn't think that he would or maybe his friends weren't gonna be around. But as I've gotten older, I've come to understand kind of the genius of that particular speech. Because Charles Schultz knew something about this and he knew that when they came from the lips of a young boy that people adults would get it. Because you see, for all the beauty and the sparkle of the season, sometimes this can be a very hard time of year. In fact, I think it is for many of us at moments. Now, we may dress up, we may come to church, we may go to all the parties we're supposed to, we may put on that happy face. But underneath, there are just these moments where we feel that something perhaps is missing and we struggle. And so I just want to say to you, if there is any sadness in your life today, you aren't alone. A lot of people this time of year, and particularly I think the older we get, when so much has changed in our lives, in our families, in the world around us, I think it's kind of normal to have those tinges within ourselves. I myself have found this particular year to be heavier than I can ever recall it being in all my years. And, and I know that is true for many. So the people of Judah to whom Isaiah was speaking, they knew something about heaviness. They had lost their temple. They had lost their land. They had lost their freedom. They were no longer ruling themselves, but were being ruled over by others. Everything that oriented their sense of direction and their sense of identity was gone. And they were overwhelmed and they felt lost. They felt afraid. They felt very far from God. And so they're struggling mightily. They've entered this metaphorical wilderness, if you will, in which their faith was severely tested by the circumstances around them, but also by their own behavior, by the behavior of the people that they knew, stuff that had happened. They'd become like the desert. They were alive, but they felt kind of dried up, kind of empty. And it is to this that the prophet Isaiah steps in and speaks. And he says things like, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom and rejoice with joy and singing. Everlasting joy will be on their heads. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Five times in this brief poem that we just read, Isaiah speaks of joy. Like a lot of the prophets of Israel, 
He's speaking of something that is coming, not something that already is. He knows what is. He is not naive to the reality of his people any more than he is naive to his own reality. It's not an empty and disconnected promise, but it is a really important one. And as I read it again this season, I hear the promise, not only for the people of Isaiah's day, but also for us who are wandering around in metaphorical wildernesses, who maybe feel like the desert, alive but not quite fully in bloom, wanting something more. It's clear that Isaiah knows how life can be because he speaks about weakness, weak hands, and feeble knees. He knows that there are people who struggle with different ailments in their health, but also people who struggle with different sorrows in their souls. He talks about sighing. Y'all know that sigh? (laughs) When maybe you don't have any tears left and so all you can do is just sigh? It's real to Isaiah. And he wants the people to know it is real to God too, that God sees it, that God remembers his people just as he remembers us. And though the current reality may seem like all that there is, he wants the people to remember and he wants us to remember about the possibility and the promise that God is not through with his people, that God's action is real too. So this poem, it talks about the moment when God will give a home to those who don't have a home, when God will restore our lives, when God will reestablish our physical well-being and our mental well-being and affect the environment around us, where we shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That is the good news that Isaiah brings to us. Tom Curry describes the joy this way. Such a gift, far from just being a positive attitude or a constantly upbeat mood, is best described as just a deep confidence, even a kind of astonished laughter, because of the discovery that there is one at work in our world who is more central to our stories than we are to ourselves. What a wonderful description of joy. Joy, he is saying, is more than just this fleeting emotion. Happiness is that way. Like happiness comes and goes, different things happen, they make us laugh, they're kind of funny, but it's not anything that really lasts, right? We're always kind of chasing happiness and we do it in all kinds of different ways, chasing that high, if you will, that bit of relief in our day. But joy, he says, is something so much deeper It is this deep and lasting confidence that can run parallel to sorrow. So you can be in a very difficult space and still have joy because joy isn't about the fleeting emotion. Joy is about faith. Joy is about leaning into the promise of God even if it's not here quite yet the deep and abiding knowledge that God is with us. This is what the Christmas story is really all about, right? The name, Emmanuel, God with us. 
God coming to restore the world. You know, I was thinking a lot about this. Yesterday, I had an opportunity. I shared on Facebook to go to Memphis and to be a part of the St. Jude Marathon. Now, I did not run the marathon. I have to tell you, I am not actually quite that accomplished, not even in the least bit. So I stretched myself and ran the 10K, and that's about as far as I have gotten. But all told... 26,000 people came together and they either ran the 5K or the 10K or the half or the full. It is the single largest fundraiser for St. Jude and it raised over $12 million in just one day. I mean, it's really months and months of effort leading into the one day, but it all leads up to that. And I have to say, Going back there was an incredibly emotional kind of thing. A lot of people from our community here in Ruston went, um, a lot of different families who have been impacted by the work that St. Jude does, connected to their own children. And so being there and being a part of that, it was incredibly emotional. One of the things that they do is when you, you run, regardless of how far you run, whichever race it is, you run from downtown Memphis and you run to the campus of St. Jude. And 900 families and patients lined the path through St. Jude. And I'm telling you this, no matter who the person was, when you hit that campus, every person running is like boo-hooing. You know, it was this beautiful moment of solidarity. Everyone aligned together, running towards a common purpose a common purpose of eradicating childhood cancer. You rarely see people so aligned, so singularly focused. And the people who were lined up cheering us on through the whole journey, whether it was three miles or 26 miles, they too were focused. They were this light in that moment. We were all together. And it was beautiful. And I cried like a baby. I cried before the race started. I cried on mile one and mile five. And I crossed the finish line and I cried some more. And so did everyone else around me. It's just some kind of, some kind of beauty in that connection, that reminder that we are not alone, that there is hope. One of the ladies that I ran with, I found out later, She had been in the hospital part of the campus the year before when the race happened, and she could see the race from her window, but her child was too sick to go down and to be a part of the cheering section. And so it was really her hope that the next year she would be able to run, and so she did. And so you can imagine to go from that space of looking out the window and seeing the hope to then becoming one of the people that got to be part of that wave going through up and down the roads of Memphis. It was a very healing thing, she said, for her. And that is what we do. You know, as Christians, we have the privilege of proclaiming the message. The name of the sermon today is Repeat the Sounding Joy. And it comes from the song, Joy to the World. And of course, it says, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat, Repeat the sounding joy. Next time you sing it, I want you to think about that. What is it that you are being asked to do? It is the call on all of our lives to go and to be a part of telling the story, 
of sharing hope, of bringing the water of Jesus Christ into those desert places, of finding our brothers and sisters in the wilderness and helping them find their way home, of helping those who cannot see what is right in front of them that God is doing. They can't see that connection of helping them to see, of helping those who don't want to listen to open their ears to the possibility of what God is up to in this world. It is about not just hope, but it is about the joy, the joy that comes with confidence, and that is what we are called to do, to bring that joy and to repeat it, to tell the story, obnoxiously so, over and over and over again until everyone knows the story. Frederick Buechner said once, the great thing about Christmas is that we've never been able to kill it because there's something irresistible about this event, something about the light of God that cannot be extinguished. Jesus Christ has come into the world. It is he who gives sight to those who are unable to see and he who opens the ears of those who have stopped listening. And it is he who offers a home to us who have no home. Maybe part of the restlessness that we feel in this world at times isn't something to be sorrowful about at all. Maybe instead it is this reminder that this is not our home, not our long-term home anyway, that we belong somewhere else, we belong to someone else, and all those times we feel lonely, we feel isolated, it's because we don't belong to this place. And so joy comes in knowing that, knowing that there will come a day when the crocus will bloom in our desert, when the streams will flow. God has come, and God will come again. And in the meantime, repeat. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat until your voice can no longer speak the words, until everyone knows. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.